Third thing is that Americans are self-sufficient in hydrocarbons, natural gas, and oil. And Americans have babies. They have young people, and they have a young workforce. Those are all things that Europe doesn't really have. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Do you want to grow your business bigger and faster? A free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find missed golden opportunities. I generally charge $150 or more per hour, but this would be free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing a few thousand dollars a month in sales already. Just visit myamazonaudit.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit, and book in a time. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T.com. Look forward to speaking to you on your audit. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash Hello there, folks. This is Michael Vesey. I'm looking slightly blue. If you're watching the video, I don't know why that is. I'm a podcaster guy. I'm being forced into the video age, but I prefer it if I could just listen to me. So if you are watching the video and this is a clip, go listen to the podcast. You'll have a better listening experience. Right, let's cut to it. We are talking today about e-commerce sales shrinking. Are you seeing this? A lot of people are. I've seen it across a lot of businesses that I've reviewed personally where I might want to buy them. And in fact, I look at this, I'm going, no way I'm buying a business with shrinking revenue. So that means not only will you have a problem selling your business or just won't be able to sell it if you ever try and sell it, if you've got shrinking revenue, by the way, this will be a problem in two or three years time, potentially as well, if it's on the metrics of your business. But if you're trying to pay the rent or the mortgage or your family's vacations or whatever it is right now, this time of year, and you don't have enough revenue growth, then your business could be heading for the rocks. So we need to turn this around. I've got seven strategies to boost your sales. Big picture stuff, guys. So warning, this is not a tactical thing. It's not very e-commerce specific in some ways. It is, and it's not very Amazon specific in some ways. But I think you just need to take a big picture, then move to the smaller picture, and then get into the weeds on the tactics. Because a lot of the time, I see people trying to fix at a micro level Something is happening at a macro level. And if that's the case, you need to fix it at the appropriate level. It's a bit like the Boxing Day tsunami back in India in 2007. I remember that quite well because I wasn't personally involved, but my uncle and aunt were out there having a vacation. I think they were somewhere like Sri Lanka or whatever, and you know, watching beautiful wildlife and stuff. And then suddenly we saw on the news that this tsunami wave had hit all the beaches in southeast India where they were, and we couldn't get hold of them for 48 hours. Obviously, the, the networks were down. Turned out they were fine, but I remember thinking that was a pretty scary moment. Now, if you are standing on a beach and a tsunami wave, a, a force of nature is coming at you, you can't learn to swim in five minutes and somehow magically do something about that. You can't outrun it. You can't outfight it. You can't put on a swimsuit and be fine. You can't get in the buildings, especially with reinforced. What you need to do is A, see it coming, and B, get the hell out of the way. 
And then some of the stuff we're going to talk about today is of that nature. Some of it is a bit more in your control. So let's get going. First of all, let's look at the demand side before you even make sales, even to get in the possibility with marketing to possibly be visible enough to make sales, to be attractive enough to be considered and to actually be convincing enough to sell. Before you get there, there has to be a demand. People want the sort of stuff that you sell, or to put it in a better way, they are looking for solutions to a problem. Now, the global economic downturn is a thing. Now, I don't know if the UK is going to technically go into a recession. The technical recession in the UK is measured fairly simply. In the US, technically, a recession is not measured as simply as this, as I understand it. But broadly, it is basically two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Negative growth, by the euphemistic phrase, it's called shrinking. You have the opposite of growth, whatever the opposite of short growth is. But I don't care if that's technically happening or not, because I am seeing across all the businesses I've reviewed for sale, pretty much all of them. It's why I haven't, one reason I haven't put any offers in yet on any of the businesses I've seen, because a lot of them had shrinking year on year revenue, or they had year on year revenue is growing, but at such a shrinking profit that it seems to me that the markets were growing, were shrinking and they're having to take more market share and it's costing them a lot to do that. Now, that's a different question. You can discuss that. But first, global economics. I think. The UK is facing a serious consumer spending problem. And that's not rocket science. If you read the newspapers here, everyone's got a cost of living crisis based on inflation going up a lot and the central bank's response, rightly or wrongly, I guess they haven't got any other levers to pull, so they will pull the lever they have, but they are raising interest rates. By the way, I don't think that's going to have a big effect. Why? I think it's a supply side problem, meaning that we are gas, as in natural gas, if you're an American listening whatever you call a gas, I don't even know, but what you call gas, we call petrol. Anyway, carbons, you know, fuel. So get natural gas to heat the home with, to cook your dinner with, and oil to turn into products to put in your car. Obviously, mostly came from Russia for Europe, including the UK. The North Sea has not got that much more to give, and we sort of closed down or didn't take quite a few of those seriously. I wouldn't put too much faith in the North Sea, besides which, you know, it's the North Flipping Sea. It takes a lot of energy, time, and capital to exploit water, sorry, oil that is buried in deep reserves under the one of the roughest bits of sea on the planet. So don't delete yourself. That's going to get us out of jail. The second thing is obviously food, food price inflation and fertilizer. Again, unfortunately, Russia was the world's greatest wheat exporter, Ukraine third or fourth biggest, and both, well, especially Russia was a big exporter of both fertilizer and the raw ingredients for fertilizer, amongst which is gas, natural gas. Unfortunately, the Chinese also have been hoarding fertilizer because they're not dumb. Uh, at least in some ways, they do some wacko things on the world stage these days. But in terms of feeding their own population, they know that they are going to starve if they don't keep enough fertilizer. They may well starve anyway. That's another story. So what does that mean? Food rights inflation. These are global picture stuff. You could yak on all day about government policy. I personally don't think the, go the UK government has much that it can change. Okay, it could have not done Brexit, and that would probably have affected food prices a bit. That's, <laughs> that's happened, and I'm not going to get down that rabbit hole because if you mention Brexit in Britain, if you're outside Britain, it's just one of those divisive issues that stops people thinking. And I want you to think clearly, and then go and take action and rescue your business. If it needs rescuing, if it's doing well, then I guess don't bother listening to this because this is for those experiencing shrinking sales and what to do about it. 
So coming back round to the big picture, picture here, the big economic picture for the UK. I think we have some really serious supply side challenges. We now also have interest rate rises. So that means inflation, I think, is built in to a degree. And now people are also having to pay more for their mortgage, like myself, my wife, for example. So that means we've got less money to spend on consumer products, right? And that's true for everyone else out there, except for maybe, you know, the elite earners. And if you are positioning your products for the premium market, you probably don't need to think in this way. Most products sellers that I know, most businesses I've reviewed that sell on, e in, on Amazon, in reality, they, they, they are affected by this. Okay. So let's assume that. So what do you do about this? Is there's enough about the problem? What about some solutions? Well, first of all, I think you have to be very, very aware of providing great value without reducing your profit margins to zero. Now, technically, we aren't talking about profit margins in this particular podcast. I created a massive long list of how to drive your profit margins. And then it was too big, so I split it up. And this bit is all about driving revenue, the top line. But just no lowering your prices and creating better value for the consumer by destroying your own value as a business is clearly not the solution, is it? But people do it all the time out of desperation. So you need to mindfully think about engineering a product suite such that the consumer gets more value and you still get profit. Maybe not the profit percentage or absolute terms that you were having last year or the year before, but it still needs to be enough to sustain you and your business. So what are we going to do about this? Well, I think it comes down to how you're going to add value. Okay. So let's get on to the second point. And I'm going to go back to, we're going to go back to that in a second, actually. How do you add value? Well, leave that hanging. How do you add value in a consumer, you know, recession? Good question. Before we go there, though, I want to talk about the US versus UK and Europe versus North America generally. The US has, I think, in Amazon-based businesses specifically, because I know that segment well, I'm seeing certain amount of data across a, a few, a variety of businesses. Now, these are businesses up for sale, and it may be that some of the businesses I'm particularly looking at tending to be on the smaller side up to a few hundred thousand a year in revenue. So they may be being sold for a good reason, and that, that, that reason may be that, or a bad reason, and that means maybe that they're not doing very well. So I may be seeing an atypical selection, but I would say that the 10K Collective Mastermind members who are across a variety of categories are also generally seeing quite stark consumer sort of revenue slowdown. So I think it's also in the US. So all the things I said about UK slowdown apply to the US, I think mostly because the Americans do a lot of the things that we do in Europe, but more extremely, and one is using credit cards. So buying on credit obviously gets more expensive as the interest rates go up. And then mortgages are going up for Americans. They're not as many as on uh, variable rates as they are in the UK, so it's less of an immediate impact. But over time, I think that is having an effect. So I'm not saying this is a short-term solution, but over the next two or three years, you've got to notice things like the American inflation rate is much lower than UK and Europe. From the economic fundamentals, you've got uh, a few things going for the Americans, which we don't have in Europe and Europe as a whole. Let's, let's acknowledge the fact that the UK may not be in the EU anymore, but it's still in Europe. I mean, it's not, it's a small island on the edge of Europe. So in Europe, practically, right? So assuming that we take that as red, the US has a few things we don't have in Europe. Number one, it has space. It's huge. And the population density is way lower than Europe. Europe's been filling up with people for hundreds and hundreds of years. Europeans went over to America, basically killed anyone who was there and or put them in reservations and 
and sorry about this Americans, but it's just economic, it's history, it's fact, and then took over the place. So there's still plenty of room to expand into. We don't have that. So land is plenty. That helps. Uh, it's incredibly, so there's less pressure on housing than say in South of England, East of England, which is incredibly crowded. Take it from me. Now, okay. Specific places in the US around Los Angeles, around the East Coast, sort of conurbation stretching to New York, Boston, Philadelphia, et cetera. Yeah, sure. That's super crowded, but there is space. The second thing they have is amazingly fertile uh, land. So they're self-sufficient in food, which right now is not a small thing. Now, Americans may be experiencing some food inflation at the moment, but there are mechanisms to deal with that, which we don't have in the UK and in Europe as a whole. Do you want to grow your Amazon business bigger or faster? I bet you do. If so, a free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find some golden missed opportunities. Generally, I charge at least $150 an hour these days for my time, but this is free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing at least a few thousand dollars a month in sales. If you are, just go to myamazonaudits.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit and book in a time and we'll see each other on a Zoom call. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z or Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T.com. Thank you very much for listening and I hope to see you on a call soon. Third thing is that Americans are self-sufficient in hydrocarbons, natural gas and oil. And Americans have babies. They have young people and they have a young workforce. Those are all things that Europe doesn't really have. China doesn't have them either. China had a young workforce. It doesn't anymore. So if there's going to be one place in the planet where you should be selling to, in my opinion, and the next generation really, but starting now, you know, being forced by the current superficial recession in, in demand to get over there, I think it's US. So if you're based in the UK and you're not selling the US yet, I think you need to get on with it. Now, that comes with other problems, and we can talk about that in a different podcast, but just very superficially, if you're thinking big picture here, and I'm sorry to be big picture because it sounds like vague. I don't think big is synonymous with vague. It's just harder to wrestle to the ground. It's strategic thinking. It's awkward. It's messy. It's a bit fuzzy, but you've got to do it. So bear with me. So the first thing is you've got to think about what products are going to work in the US market. Guess what? Don't be complicated about this. If you source products in China, like many, many people do, or wherever it is, outside of UK or Europe, you're having to ship the stuff all the way around or halfway around the world or a third of the way around the world anyway. So you just ship it the other way instead. So don't ship as an on ship, but send it via air freight. So next time you have a production run in China or India or wherever it is of a product line, then get an air freight or air express load of boxes sent to the US, ship it into Amazon and see if it sells. Now, in order to do that, you'll have to have an Amazon account in the US. That's basically trivial to set up. Yes, there may be some tactical problems. I'm not going to get buried in that because it's missing the point here. This is big picture stuff. You need to get an EORE number and, and set yourself up to import. I haven't set up a company to import in the US personally for a few years now because the ones that I've done, I, I set up quite a few years ago, but it's last time I looked, it wasn't particularly complicated. It's no more complicated than setting up a business in the UK in some ways a bit more, but not that much. Certainly vastly easier than shipping into Europe. My goodness. I mean, Brexit has made such a car crash out of shipping into Europe. It's, it's calming down. It's getting better, but it's not stable yet. And, and there's, uh, more stability shipping into Europe, the UK. Sorry, to US. 
Now, caveat, obviously, you're coming from China. There will be excessive uh, taxes on it. So it's not all easy. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm saying it may be the only viable future for your business. So I think you're just going to get started with it and you know do the numbers. And if the import taxes allow for you to still make profit, then great. A few other things to say if you're going to go into the US. Right? This is a very quick overview of a massive subject, but you may have to start thinking about this. Number one is just just if you source in China, just send some boxes to the US. Okay, you need to set up the import pathway with EORE number and uh, get a good uh, freight forwarder. Don't try and do DIY importing anywhere, especially not in the US. Okay, just don't do it, but just hire a freight forwarder and a, and a freight uh, broker. I'm not going to go into detail on this. I've done this like for about nine years worth of detail on this. So yeah, go back to podcast number seven, I think, and uh, talked about it before. I don't think the basics have changed that much. It's quite stable. So what else? Raise enough capital. Okay. If you go into the US, you can do a test with a handful of boxes and do a bit of an aggressive PPC campaign. But if you're going to really, really launch a product properly in the US instead of a little test, you're going to need to raise some money or, you know, have some good investment of some kind, some capital, because it's, you're going to be selling bigger amounts of stuff than you would in UK or Europe, possibly five to 10 times as much, 500 to a thousand percent increase in unit volumes that can happen. If that happens, well, guess what? You need to be prepared for that and you're going to pay for a lot of inventory. The other thing is it's a highly, highly competitive place in a lot of areas. And that doesn't mean you can't cut through the noise, but you've got to be prepared to pay to do that with advertising to rank for the right products. Now, if you pay for your launch and it takes off and you get the balance between organic and, and ad-driven sales right, just like in the UK or anyone else, then it's a profitable product if you get those numbers right. If you get them wrong, it means it's a failed product and you kill it off. But either which way, you're going to need the money, right? And if you think that you don't have the money yet, but you have the expertise in e-commerce, let me tell you that a lot of people, that includes myself, are looking to buy assets and they can't find quality assets right now because so many things are shrinking. If you can go into something which is growing and get a bit of proof of concept, maybe even get some seed investment before you get the proof and then go after some serious money, then you know there are people out there with money that always will be. And if you have the expertise and you're in a growing market, they will throw the money at you and not immediately throw it at you unless you've got something very proven, but they want growth. Again, these are huge topics. I'm just touching on them here, but you need to discipline yourself to think the big picture because if you just do that and get your blinkers on and just keep doing what you've been doing and the market's shrinking, your business is just going to shrink to nothing. Right? If your revenues are shrinking and your overheads stay the same, guess what happens to your profit? That shrinks too or just disappears. That's a whole other podcast we're going to talk about. Anyway, what else can we say? Final thing to say, again, huge big picture stuff, but I think it's worth having. In the US, there is a retooling and investment in infrastructure and in plant and equipment and training that is bigger, I understand, than during the Second World War, which was one of the biggest industrial build-out in history. So whilst it may, that costs money, by the way, so that doesn't mean that, that you're going to get cheap products straight away, but while the Americans build out that plant, it may be more expensive, but they do have the cheapest electricity on the planet because of those lovely um, hydrocarbons they can produce at home. And they have labor. So they have a labor shortage like we have in the UK, but that's going to be, you know, not 
built into the system like it is in the UK. I mean, in the UK, we've got this weird uh, where you can retire pretty early. We've also got the usual European problems of uh, low birth rate. And then we've got the political problem that we're having astronomically high immigration at the moment. And that kind of helps to balance out the need for labor, but that's unsustainably politically. And you might say socially, that's a political or social question. And I'm going to get into that, but you can see the writings on the wall for that, that solution. Whereas in the US, they don't have that. So I guess this podcast is turning into a bit of a go west, young, my young man, you know, go and sell in America, young woman or man or person of indeterminate gender, whatever you are. That's not the whole solution, but I'm saying that is part of what you might want to consider because we talk about the global economic slowdown here. Right. So this is going to clearly be more of a micro mini series of a podcast than just one podcast because I've only spent about 20 minutes now and I've only really dealt with the macroeconomic picture, which is fine. So in the next podcast, we're going to talk about supply side of the equation, the big picture still, which is, okay, the demand is shrinking to a degree or is being challenged. What about the supply side, aka your competition? We'll talk about that next. Thanks for following me on a bit of a journey here. I know it's big picture stuff. This isn't just little on me saying this stuff. My my principal sources of information about the, the macroeconomic stuff, I follow a lot of people. Gideon Ruckman is really, really good on the global geopolitics. He's a Financial Times columnist and has a great podcast. Peter Zion, Z-E-I-H-A-N or Z-E-I-H-A-N, has written four books, which I've devoured and read more than once, in fact, repeatedly, and has an amazing uh, YouTube channel slash podcast about geopolitics from a slightly more broad economic perspective as well. I know my history. I, I haven't studied economics, but I'm very interested in it. And I have been following the, the the trends that I see in the actual Amazon and e-commerce industries. So although this is big picture stuff, it's not just little old me and my imagination, I think it's out there and we need to have be able to get a handle on what is happening and the strategy, the biggest possible level solution, some of which may take two or three years to implement. Right? If you're going to find reliable US suppliers that are actually profitable and, and launch in the US and raise money to do that, that could be a two-year project. Easy. I get that. I'm not saying that that's easy or, or a small, a heavy, it's not a small lift as the Americans would say, but this is where we're at. And I think that it, the, the earlier you can see the problems coming and take radical action, the more chance you have of surviving. And indeed, when everyone else around you has, has fallen down, which is probably going to happen, not everyone, but a lot of your competition will just go out of business or just give up or just withdraw from certain markets. If you can be the last man standing, last person standing, that is when you absolutely wipe the floor with everyone else, grab, you know, grab a huge amount of market share. And if that market's then going to re-expand, that's when you build a hugely valuable business. That's a once in a generation opportunity, but you got to survive the bit before, which is horrible, which is what clears the competition out of the way in the first place. And so you want to make sure you're standing rather than cleared. Or if you're getting out of a market because it has no bright future, that's great. Let the other people fight over the scraps of the dying market. You know, if you are in newspapers about 2001, 2005, then, you know, the smart move is to get out or to transition to digital, a digital brand based on your newspaper because newspapers are a dying industry and, you know, they have been for, you know, a couple of decades now. So if the UK and, and EU economies are going to be really challenged economically over the next five to 10 years plus because of the, the war in Russia and other things, it's smart to see it coming now and then start worrying about the smaller picture stuff, right? If you're in the 
an industry that's shrinking shrinking 25% year on year in terms of demand and, and revenue, like newspaper industry was, you know, say, well, pretty much any time in the last 20 years, then you don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to know that the best solution is to move out of the industry. Don't try and be clever in a dying industry. You just go and put your skills to, to use in a growing industry. Anyway, enough of a rant for me about that. We'll get on to the next one in a second uh, or in the next episode, which is about the supply sides of competition. How do you handle that from a very big picture perspective? Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed today's show. And uh, stay tuned. I've got a very special offer for you today, which I think you'll find really interesting indeed if you're a more advanced seller or you've got an established business. For now, stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Do you want to grow your Amazon business bigger or faster? I bet you do. If so, a free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find some golden missed opportunities. Generally, I charge at least $150 an hour these days for my time, but this is free. You can be a reseller.